you may be seated. This time, Miss Jennifer is going to bring our special. When I was a little girl and first starting to sing in church, and um, the older I got, and of course I know I've said it here before, I'd just rather be in a box. I don't want to. I'd rather not be here. But even our Sunday school lesson tied in with what I was thinking about and what was on my mind this morning. You know, God has something for all of us, and we all have something we are supposed to do for Him to increase His kingdom. And um, I sung the other night during revival, and after I sung, I just turned around, went back to the piano. And when we left, my boys were making a comment about something, and I said, what are you talking about? And, of course, they, you know, at first they were like, well, you got a standing ovation. And I thought, no, I didn't. God did. And when I was little, I used to get sometimes, I didn't understand it a lot, but there were certain people that they would sing. I felt like they sung all the time. But, you know, that was their ministry. That was what God gave them. And they used it accordingly. And the older I got, the more I understood that. And even just since we've been attending out here, I've become much more susceptible to that and to the fact that, and it's took right at 40 years to get that way. But I know a lot of times we're stubborn and hard-headed, but I do, I pray that no matter what I sing, no matter when or what, it is, it's for someone to get something to bless your life and to make you even maybe think more about your life. But just listen to this song this morning. Um, called why it's kind of a lengthy song but it our main you know the main thing why god had to die on the cross for us but just listen to the words to town the other day just me and my daddy he said I'd finally reached that age and I could ride next to him on a horse that of course was not quite as wild we heard a crowd of people shouting and so we stopped to find out why there was that man that my dad said he loved but today there was fear in his eyes so i said daddy why are they screaming why are the faces of some of them beaming? Why is he dressed in that bright purple robe? I bet that crown hurts him more than he shows. Daddy, please, can't you do something? He looks as though he's gonna cry. <laughs> 
you said he was stronger than all of those guys. Daddy, please tell me why. Why does everyone want him to die? Later that day, the sky grew cloudy. And Daddy said I should go inside. Somehow he knew things would get stormy. Boy, was he right. But I could not keep from wondering if there was something he had to hide. So after he left, I had to find out. I was not afraid of getting lost. So I followed the crowds to a hill where I knew men had been killed. And I heard a voice come from the cross. And it said, Father, why are they screaming? Why are the faces of some of them beaming? Why are they casting their lots for my robe? This crown of thorns hurts me more than it shows. Father, please, can't you do something? I know that you must hear my cry. I thought I could handle a cross of this size. Father, remind me why, why does everyone want me to die? Oh, when will I understand why? My precious son, I hear them screaming, and I'm watching the face of the enemy But soon I will clothe you in robes of my own. Jesus, this hurts me much more than you know. But this dark hour, I must do nothing. Though I've heard your unbearable cry. The power in your blood destroys all the lies soon you'll see past their unmerciful eyes look there below see the child trembling by her father's side now i can tell you why She is why you must die.
Wasn't that awesome? You're the reason why. I'm the reason why. Why did a king leave the glory of his realm to come down to become poor so that we can become rich through him? That's why. You're the reason why Jesus went to the cross. You're the reason why Jesus did what he did. Can y'all amen this morning? Are y'all awake this morning? Revival's still going. Just because it's a different preacher and a different music director, the same God is still here. The same Holy Spirit's in this place. Continue on with that excitement. Thank you for your faithfulness this week. What an awesome crowd we had every night. We had two souls saved in this place this week. What a blessing it was. Church, let's not stop. Let's not stop. The springtime is very hard for us, but I want to ask you and encourage you, let's keep on going. Be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. May I tell you, He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. I'm going to say it to you, amen. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it, church. Let's keep giving and doing and being faithful and dedicated to Him. And I know that He's going to bless our efforts. This week, uh, Wednesday night, we finished our revival. I left Thursday, went to Decab, Texas, and spent the last three nights preaching over there. And we had two souls saved here. We got over there and had two souls saved over there. And uh, Friday evening, a little young lady came down to the preacher, wanted to be saved, ended up being saved. And he looked at me as he took the girl, wanted me to stand in his place. And as I got up there, a 29-year-old man come running down the aisle and said, Preacher, I've been saved. But he said, I've been unfaithful. And I've been sorry. And I want to rededicate my life. And that one man blessed my soul and blessed my heart. 29 years old, he said, Preacher, I need all the help I can get. I want to serve him. I want to follow him. And that young man was so under conviction... I pray that that kind of conviction would be in my heart. That kind of conviction would be in your heart. Genesis chapter 1, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I want to read it again. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I want you to hold your place there and look in Revelation 22. We have read the very first verse of the Bible, and now I want to read the very last verse. But to understand the last verse, we must go to the verse before it, because verse 21 is a reply of verse 20. Revelation 22, and in verse 20. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The very last message of the Bible in verse 20 He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I am glad that you are the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You were before there was anything else that ever existed. Lord, you are the creator of the universe. You are the creator of mankind, and I thank you for your work in creation. I thank you for your work in redemption. I thank you, Lord, for your work at Calvary. Lord, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the Word of God that's in our hands today. That we get to read about your love for us and the sacrifices that you made for us. 
Lord, give me power from on high to preach this message the way you designed it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. You can turn back to Genesis 1-1. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end. In the book of Revelation, we find where Jesus is called the Alpha and Omega, which is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last of everything when it comes to creation. He's the beginning and the end. When it comes to life, He's the beginning and the end. When it comes to the Word of God, He's the beginning and the end. When I was younger, I heard a man say one time that you could take the whole Bible away, and if you just had the first verse of Genesis and the last verse of Revelation, you had everything that you'll ever need to know what God was trying to get across in this good book. And so not long ago, I thought about that, and I began to study that, and I began to look at that, because as I see the Word of God, it's the greatest book in all of the world. It is the greatest book that we have, because it is a book that is given not by men, but by God. This is a God-inspired book. God breathed this upon holy men, and they wrote as God breathed upon them. This is inspired. This is infallible, and bless God, it's preserved. God preserved it. It's amazing, a book that has gone through the ages. And a lot of things have come and gone, but you know there's only one thing that has survived the ages, and it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And to go throughout all of those ages, there must be something special to this book. There must be something special to this book. This book ought to be the heart of every believer in this place. It ought to be our best friend. It's our sword today. It is the weapon in which we use in the battle every single day. Child of God, this ought to be your best friend. You ought to read it every day. It ought to be a part of you every single day. I'm telling you, we need to get the dust off the Bibles. And the Bible needs to become our life. Do you realize that God does not want us to change this, but He wants us to use this to change us? This is what needs to change us. This world has worked and worked on the Bible to change it and change it and change it. Friend, the Word of God doesn't need to be changed. The world needs to be changed. The hearts of men need to be changed. The Word of God can change us. And so if we took everything out of the Bible, as I studied this week, I've learned that you could take everything out of the Bible, and if you just had Genesis 1-1 and the last verse there Revelation... You can get everything that God wants us to get through the Word of God. I want us to notice in Genesis 1-1, the beginning. The first sentence of any book, of any letter, of anything, is the theme of the message. The very first sentence of anything that anybody is writing is setting the stage, if you will, for the whole letter, for the whole book. So in the very first verse, what you read in that first sentence or that first verse provides the theme for the entire book. And may I tell you that Genesis 1-1 provides the theme for the book that we call the Holy Bible. And the theme is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That sets the theme throughout the whole Word of God. I'm telling you, when you take Genesis 1-1, it reveals unto us the theme of the message of the Bible. That in the beginning. In the beginning means before there was anybody else. 
before anybody ever existed, before there was a heaven and an earth, before there was anything existed, God existed. He is omniscient. Amen? He is all-powerful. He is all-holy. He is the only one true and living God. Why? Because He was in the beginning when nobody else existed. Before there was anything in the world, there was God. There was God. And that's the theme of the Bible, that before there was anything else, there was God. In the beginning, God. The word God there in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Elohim. And the word Elohim is a plural word which means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so in the beginning was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that sets the thing for the entire Bible. It is about the Father. But bless God, it's also about the Son. And it's also about the work of the Holy Spirit. Because God is three persons in one. And all through the Bible that we find God the Father working, God the Son working, and God the Holy Spirit. It's important to know that God is three persons. God is not just one, but He's three in one. And that's what makes Him so marvelous and so great. Because He existed before anybody else ever existed. This represents the power and the authority of an Almighty God. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, think about this. God created everything. The word created means to set up, to establish, to produce, to bring into existence. God created everything that we have. Everything you see, God created. God created the earth. He created the light. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created the trees and the grass and the lakes and the rivers and the mountains. Everything is created by God and for God. God created you. You didn't come from a monkey. You came from a holy God. God created you. God breathed into you the the breath of life. God made you. God created you. And you say, preacher, what's so awesome about that? Because God took nothing. In the beginning, there was nothing. Now, we're all great carpenters. We all can do a work. We can maybe be an artist or or we can build a building or we can pour concrete or we can do this and do this. And our work is great. But we're taking the products of of a God that created them for us and using those products. But God took nothing and made something. And it's one thing to take something that was already there and build something with it, but God took absolutely nothing and made something. That means He's got to be above all. That means that His power is beyond our imagination. That means that His creative power goes beyond us. I'm telling you, there's one above us, and it's God. And all through the Scripture, God is exalted above every king. All through the Bible, you find kings that are mighty and powerful. But there's a king that is better than Him, that is higher than Him. There's an authority that goes beyond this earth, and it's the authority of God. May I tell you, that is the theme of the entire message, that God is above all. And in His work of creation, we see that the first day, the second day, and the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, He created everything we needed. But all through the Bible, we see His work of creation, where He gives us everything that we need. As you go to the book of Exodus, we find that He created the law. The law of God is simply God's expectations for us. 
And since God is the Creator in the Word of God, we find where He created the expectations of God. What does that mean, preacher? That means we know what God expects from us. Through the law. And God gave man the law. Aren't you glad for the law? Aren't you glad for the law? Because the Bible said the law is the schoolmaster that leads us to Jesus Christ. He created the law. This law that we have in the Bible was not brought up by the Baptist committee. It was not brought up by the ABA or the Missionary Baptist. It was brought up by God. God created the standard of living. God created this. We argue, well, man, that's just the Baptist, that's just the Methodist way. No, it's God's way. God created the law. God created the standard. So many people fuss at God's moral law today about same-sex marriage and all this. Friend, you can't argue with God. God made it. God made it. And He is the ultimate rule, and He's the final say. He set the standard. And in this law, not only did He create a law, but He created a nation. And the nation of Israel. He created this great nation and exalted them above all the other nations. And oh, we see Jesus Christ throughout all the, 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 the nation of Israel and all that God has done with them. And it's amazing as you look at the nation of Israel that God created them and lifted them up. God created them to bring Him, to bring him glory, to exemplify Him. And then we go in the New Testament, we see God created salvation. Salvation was not thought up by a Baptist committee. Hello? The deacons of promised land didn't get sit down one day and say, okay, we need to come up with how to be saved. This was not created by promised land. It was here when we got here. Praise the Lord. Salvation was not thought up by mankind. It was created by a holy and righteous God. And in the New Testament, we find that Jesus came and dwelt among men. And He dwelled and He lived a holy life and a pure life. And that Jesus became the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. And He laid upon that cross and became the sacrifice for sin. Friend, that wasn't my doings, that was God's doings. God created salvation. You say, preacher, I think, I think if you're going to go to heaven, you need to be baptized. I think you need to get real and read the Bible. Amen? Because it's not about what you think. It's about what God has done for us. God created salvation, and He said it's through a personal relationship with Jesus. You know what? Then He created the church. Amen that. Come on now. Y'all can amen that. He created the church. I don't know about y'all, I praise God for that because I'm the church. And you're the church. And it ought to bring great joy that God has created this institution that we can worship in, and work in, and serve in. Praise God, i got a family here. Amen? You know why I have this? Because God created us and He brought us together to do this right here. To what? To carry out the great commission of Jesus Christ. God created every single thing throughout the Word of God. Now, I want you to go to the last verse of Genesis, chapter 1, in verse 31. The very first sentence is the theme of the message, but it is said that the very last sentence of the first paragraph is always the thesis statement, which is the summary of the main point. So, in verse 1, God created everything. That's the theme. But the summary is this. In verse 31, God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was very good. What we see throughout the Bible, God created everything, and the summary is this, God is good. Hold on, let me say that again. The summary of the entire Bible, that God is good. The theme is that He's the Creator. The theme is that He has done everything for us in order to be saved. But the summary is this, we serve a good, good God. 
And everything that He's ever done is good and right and holy. I'm telling you, you ought to praise the Lord today because you serve a good God. You got more than you deserve. You got more than you're worthy of. God has been good. And all through the Bible, you know what I find? I find a good, good Father. Amen? I find His goodness. I find His richness. I find His grace. I find His mercy. I find the goodness of a holy, righteous God. He's good, y'all. He's good. I'm not always good, but God is always good. You can't always depend on me, but you can always depend on God. He's good. He looked back and behold, everything was good. Revelation 22. Are you with me this morning? Revelation 22. So the theme is this. God's the Creator. The summary is that He's good. But notice the very last message, the ending. The conclusion is the body of the book. The conclusion is the last say. The conclusion of any book, of any story, is what the writer wants you to keep your mind set upon. It's the last thought that he wants you to dwell upon when you read this book. And I'm telling you, this is the thought that should be impressed in every one of our hearts and every one of our minds. It says in verse 20, it says, He which testifieth these things says, Surely... I come quickly. People, that's Jesus talking. And the last message that we find of Jesus Christ is, Surely, I come quickly. The theme, God's the Creator. The summary, God is good. The conclusion, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Surely, the word surely means holy, altogether, entirely, by all means. I'm telling you, I can't guarantee you tomorrow, but I can guarantee you Jesus is coming again. I can't guarantee you're going to be rich. I can't guarantee you riches and homes and and jobs, but I can guarantee you Jesus is coming again. The Son of God said, Surely, holy, altogether, entirely. I'm telling you, there's coming a day that will change the world as we know it. You say, Preacher, is He coming? Absolutely He's coming. You know why? Because He said, surely I'm coming. Surely, all together, with all that I am. And by the way, God can't lie. Amen? And the last message to Jesus, from Jesus to you, surely, all together, surely, I come quickly. Quickly means speedily, with haste. This message to John was 2,000 years ago. And He said, I'm coming, and I'm coming in a hurry. What does that mean? That means that He's going to come in a time and in a place and in a manner that it is unexpected to us. He's coming in a hurry. We think it's going to be a decade. We think it's going to be another century. Friend, you don't know when He's coming. He just said, surely, all together, I'm coming quickly. When you're least expecting it, Jesus is going to come again. The last message that He gave us, surely, I come quickly. What was his response to this? Amen. Boy, John had to be a Baptist. Amen. Man, that was his response when Jesus said, John, surely I come quickly. His response was, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm telling you, if you can't get excited about the thought of Jesus returning for you, something's wrong. God's good. Amen. God created everything. Well, bless God, He's coming again. And the very last message that God wanted to impress upon our minds and our hearts is that He is coming. 
He is coming. He is coming. When you wake up in the morning, remember Jesus is coming. When you go to lunch tomorrow, remember Jesus is coming. And if you're not here tomorrow, you know what happened? Jesus came. Amen. He's coming. John said, even so, come Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus said, I'm coming for you. Brother John, Jesus said, I'm coming for you. John could have said, no, I'm not ready. No, I want to see my family raised. No, I want this, I want this. But this is what he said. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come on. Come on. The world don't want Him to come. But His people are like cheerleaders today. Saying, come on Lord. We're ready. We're waiting. Come on. Come on. Come on Lord. I don't know about you, child of God, but I'm like a cheerleader every day. Every time I turn on the news. Even so, come. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Come on. Even so, let's go. Man, I'm ready for Him to come back. As I look at the news, I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for Him to come back. As I look in our nation, I'm ready for the Lord to come back. As I look and you say, Preacher, you're a child of God. What hope do you have? I have this hope that surely He's coming quickly. He's coming, y'all. He's coming. And I say, come on. Man, I send my three babies off to school every day not knowing what they're going to face. But i got this hope that Jesus is coming again. Every day we wake up, another day we get phone calls of cancer. We get phone calls of sickness. We get phone calls of tragedy and disaster. You say, what hope do I have? I have this hope that Jesus is coming again. And it's the last message that Jesus seared upon our hearts and our minds. Child of God, don't you ever forget, He says, that I'm coming again. I'm coming again. We had a shooting right here in our community this week. Confusion and chaos everywhere you look. We need Jesus to come again. I went to Decap, Texas this week. They had a young man arrested in the high school for making a threat to shoot everybody. And that was the second one in two weeks they arrested. We need Jesus to come again, y'all. We can't get along. Our government's in a mess. Our economic system's in a mess. I'm telling you, Jesus needs to come again. It's our greatest hope. It's the greatest promise that He left. Behold, surely I come quickly. Child of God, He's coming. If you take out everything in the Bible, you remember this right here. God's the Creator of all things. And everything that He's done, He's good. God is good all the time. And all the time, Amen. God is good all the time and all the time. Every day, child of God, you remember God is good. When you're down in the valley, remember God's good. And you remember this, the thing that He wants in our minds to be seared upon. Be patient, because I'm coming with the clouds. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Child of God, that ought to motivate us. That ought to motivate us. we got to get people in while there's still time. He's coming. There ought to be salvations this morning. There ought to be rededication. There ought to be a stirring within our hearts and souls. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. Promised land, that ought to motivate us. That ought to stir us up. If you're here this morning you've never been saved, would you come down and let me show you how to be saved before Jesus comes back? Today could be the day that Jesus returns. Child of God, maybe you're sitting here and there's a decision on your heart that you need to make. God is convicting you. 
Telling you it's time to join Promised Land Church. Telling you it's time to follow Jesus in scriptural baptism. Would you follow Him today? If you need to rededicate your life, would you follow Him today? I want to ask you to stand very quiet, very reverent this morning. Every head is bowed.